Welcome to a Faith Walking Conversation. In this episode, Ken Schumann shares with a group of faith walkers about his experience in the current COVID-19 pandemic and the way in which he is applying some of the faith walking principles through it. This conversation was originally recorded in April of 2020. We want to remind you that Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. I'm gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you I'm gonna look twice Today, I'm gonna probably take a little bit longer in my talk. I'm going to be talking about some faith-walking principles in it and how to apply them. I'm going to be uh, preaching a little bit. So, you know, I don't get a chance to preach on a regular basis much anymore, except in my seminary class. They say I preach every Tuesday night, but uh, uh, I'm going to preach a little bit, uh, and I'm, uh, that's tongue-in-cheek, I'm, but I'm, I'm going to share some scripture today and, and dissect it just a little bit. And, and the third component that I'm going to be doing in our talk today is partially sharing my own journey of of what I'm experiencing during this pandemic. Um, it's unlike anything any of us have ever experienced before. Uh, and one of the things that I, I, I just read this morning and was reminded of from a, uh, a trauma specialist that, that this pandemic is trauma and that we're all experiencing trauma in the midst of it. As hard as we want to manage it, we're still experiencing trauma, and we won't fully process it all until after the fact. And so we're going to be less than our best during these days. Uh, we're, we're going to, uh, we, we need to give ourselves grace, uh, and, and our emotional functionality is not going to be as strong as, as it can be or could be, and that's just to be expected. So if you're not thinking well, if you have a hard time focusing, if you're har having a hard time um, doing, uh, you know, disciplining yourself uh, and doing the things you need to do, all those things are just normal parts of us experiencing trauma during these days. So let's take a moment now, if you would, with me, just get still, get quiet, put away whatever's gone on thus far today and Uh, just kind of put away whatever's going to happen for the rest of the day for you, and let's get fully present to this moment. God, I pray that as we, uh, as we share today and as we are just in community with one another, that, Lord, your, your presence will, will be 
not only hear, which we know you're here, but that we'll experience your presence. Uh, I pray that you'll, you'll help us, Lord, to be able to hear the, the exact thing from someone that we need to hear during this time. And Lord, I pray that you'll just guide our conversation in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let me start. Uh, I'm going to start with some scripture today. Um, this is something I've been pondering. And uh, let me back up from that just for a moment and say to you, one of our values in faith walking is authenticity. And I'm going to be sharing with you uh, in an authentic way some of my own struggles as I'm going through uh, all that I'm going through. And I want to invite you not to please don't judge right or wrong or you shouldn't think that or you shouldn't believe that or whatever that it just is. And I want to invite us to uh, to embrace authenticity in that authenticity welcomes people into our stories. And so uh, in, in my own authenticity, uh, I, I was led to the scripture this week. Uh, as we wrestle with the troubling times we're in. And it's not a place I normally go. Uh, I love to stay in the Gospels, but I went to 2 Corinthians today, uh, this week. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 3, and I'm going to read down through verse 11 for us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. I mean, that alone, I could preach a sermon all day on that, right? Uh, the God, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us so that we can comfort others. For just as the sufferings of Christ, which happened on this day that we celebrate Good Friday, just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows to others. If we're distressed, it is for your comfort and for your salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We don't want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters, about the hardships that we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, to the, to the degree that we even despaired of our own lives. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. By the way, that same God who raises people from the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, 
and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue uh, to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So much in that stirs me today, and I'm going to kind of talk through that as we go. I, I want to begin, though, just by, uh, you know, this this illness is out there. Um, and uh, so for the past three weeks, I've been wrestling with some stomach issues, and they, they keep reoccurring. So it, I thought it was a stomach virus, and I'd get over it, and then three days later, it would come back. And then I'd get over it, and three days later, I'd have a stomach ache again. And over the weekend, it hit me again um, in, in, a, in a pretty significant way. Uh, and, and in it, obviously, it's not, the, it's not the worst illness I've ever experienced. But, but chronic illness and chronic being sick just sucks. It's just no good, right? It's just, I mean, uh, the pain, the discomfort won't, won't go away. Uh, one of the things that it reminded me of is, is how powerless we are over things like our health. I mean, there's, there's things we can do to keep ourselves well, but there's something bigger than us. And, and we live in a world and an environment and an atmosphere. Uh, and, and so I, I want to just acknowledge how often I take good health for granted. And, and I want to say how bad health is, is really, here's, so here's what I believe. It's inconsistent with God's design. So what I believe is that God designed us for wholeness, that God designed us for wholeness in every dimension, that God designed us for physical wholeness, for spiritual wholeness, for emotional wholeness, uh, for social wholeness, economic wholeness, just, just every dimension. And that being in good health is who we really are. Because that's who God really designed us to be. Now, I'm, I'm not saying uh, that, okay, so what about sickness and illness? And yeah, I believe that's not God's design. That God's design for us is, is good health and wholeness. And, and so there, there, are, uh, there are principles in family systems theory, which is a key piece of stuff that we teach in faith walking. Uh, and for you that have been through faith walking, you, you'll know the language of differentiation. Um, so one of the things that, that I'm connecting with all this is, is differentiation is how our immune system works to keep us healthy and to keep us in God's design. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I, I mean that the, the immune system of my body differentiates within my body, what is me and what is not me. So when sickness comes, my immune system differentiates that part that's not me. That illness is not me. And so then it goes and it surrounds that illness and it says, okay, you're, no, you're, you're not part of the differentiated person and you've got to go. And so uh, the immune system 
as I said last week, develops in response to challenge, and that if I can tolerate my pain and discomfort long enough to allow my immune system to work within me, my immune system is going to to distinguish that part that's not me, is going to heal that part that's not me, and bring me back into God's intended design. Um, we can talk about that all day. Uh, there's also the aging process that goes with that. And the, 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 the older I get, the more I age, the more challenging it is for my immune system to make certain of what is me and what's not me. And obviously one day my age will get the best of me and, and, uh, and, and I'll move from this life to the next life. But that's how the immune system works. But I, I want to bring it into this idea of differentiation because differentiation is about what is truly me and what's not really me. And we have all forms of physical disease, but we also have forms of emotional disease and social disease that come in and keep us from showing up as the person we choose to be in our life, that person that's really us. And so determining what is me and who is me and how do I want to be, uh, for you that are in faith walking, you, you know that language, uh, that's about differentiation and it's about our immune system. So I want to connect that into this idea in endurance. So in our text today, I read and he, he talked about we, we suffer so, uh, and we endure so that then we can help others. And endurance is an indicator of emotional maturity. So the more I can endure, the, the more emotionally mature I am. Uh, you'll remember the verse of scripture in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Where, where the scripture says, Jesus endured the cross. And in spite of the shame and in spite of all that, Jesus endured. And, and just as I think about my own health and how fragile my own health is, it, it reminds me of all on this Good Friday that we acknowledge that Jesus endured. Not only did he endure physical pain over and over and over again for extended periods, but, but he endured the loneliness of those last hours. Uh, I went to Matthew 26 and Jesus in the garden, and, and he took his best disciples with him. And he said, would you, would you fellas come pray with me? And, and they, couldn't, they couldn't even pray with him through, through the night. And in it, just the, the loneliness that Jesus must have felt in, in that moment. And that there are times, and maybe this is a time for some of us, when we're enduring the loneliness of the time. Or maybe we're enduring friends who don't have the capacity to help us right now. When, when we want them to help, when we want them to encourage us, when we want them to be there and, and bring us comfort and, and encouragement, and they don't have the power to do that. And, and that that's just part of, of where we are uh, in life. But, but I think the key, part of our, 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 not only our spiritual growth and maturity, but our emotional growth and maturity is developing the capacity to increase our tolerance for emotional pain, to increase our capacity and our tolerance for emotional pain. 
So our fear rushes in and, and tries to prevent that. Uh, and, and so you may say, well, how do I increase my tolerance for emotional pain and discomfort? Well, the answer to that is to stand in the uncertainty and in the anxiety. So rather than doing what you always do to fix it and make the, make the discomfort go away, just stand in it. So there's a little quote that I use in some of my seminars. Uh, uh, the little rabbit says, uh, don't just do something, stand there. Alice in Wonderland. So uh, one of the key goals, folks, for us in developing our own capacity and our own maturity is to increase this level of emotional pain. And, and let me tell you, so emotional pain wants a quick fix. Emotional pain wants this all to go away and let's just go back to the way it was and forget it ever happened. And boy, wouldn't we love to do that? But if we can increase our capacity for our own emotional pain, we, we resist the urge for a quick fix. We, we're going to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to resist the urge to go hang out with our family this weekend when we know we shouldn't. But because we want need people so bad, we're going we're gonna to break the rules a little bit. That, that's our emotional discomfort. And so if I can increase that and manage my own anxiety, I'll function better in, in the days moving, uh, moving forward. So notice also that one of the things that happens out of our anxiety is we want a quick fix. We want this all to go away. We want it to be gone. Fear rushes us toward a quick fix. And what I want to invite you to, to consider that the text today invites us to consider is that we've got to trust in God even when there isn't a quick fix. And, and by the way, I, I want to offer that oftentimes we want God to be our quick fix. You know what I mean? Uh, Lord, if I can just, you know, pray the magic prayer, if I could just pray the prayer in the right way, pray the right words, Lord, if I, if I use your name, if I say it's in Jesus name, then, you know, then God's going to give me the quick fix. Or well, what, what if the quick fix doesn't come? Can I still trust God when God doesn't instantly rescue me or rescue those I love? Will we trust God even when we don't have all the answers that we want to have? And I think in this pandemic, there's a whole lot of questions and a whole lot of things we'd like answers to that we don't have yet. Uh, and will we trust God? So we need to give up our need for a quick fix. That's part of our journey toward emotional maturity. And we need to learn to manage our anxiety in more healthy ways. Uh, one of the things that I believe helps us in managing our anxiety is to name our fears. So in my own journey of thinking about this pandemic, uh, thinking about my own vulnerability to it, um, I'm over 60, so I'm in, I'm in the age category, as I've already mentioned. Uh, what, what am I really afraid of? And as I think about it, here, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of the pain of it. I'm, I, I, and I'm, I'm going to say it this way. I think I'm more afraid of the pain than I am of death. 
you know, don't we all say, okay, Lord, you know, I, I don't mind going, but just take me in my sleep, you know, when I don't feel a thing and I don't know it, or, or just zap me with a heart attack, you know, and boom, I'm gone. Yeah, that's what I want. Uh, I hear these stories about this, this disease and, and, and they scare the bejeebers out of me. You know, uh, it's a painful disease and I'm afraid of the pain. Um, yeah. And I think there's something in just acknowledging that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of pain. I'm, I'm also afraid of the isolation and loneliness that comes with suffering alone. You know, there's something we've got, we've got to be quarantined and, 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 you know, and, and I hear all these stories of people dying in the hospital with nobody there. And that scares me. I don't want to die with none of my family around or, or alone, or, and I don't want any of my family to die in that way. And so I'm afraid of the isolation and the loneliness. I'm afraid because nobody else can really do anything about it. And what that then, as I, I process my own anxiety, I realize that so much of my anxiety is about me wanting to be in control. You know, if I can just be in control, everything will go fine. You know why? Because there'll be no pain. If I was the big boss, there'd be no pain because I don't like pain and I, and I don't want any pain and I want to be in control. I want to control everyone and everything and all my circumstances. And I think what this pandemic is reminding all of us of, uh, I'm not in control. I'm not even in control of what I think I'm in control of most of the time, right? Uh, we're, we're not in control. And when I'm not in control, what I end up doing here, here's my tendency. I worry and I overfunction. And by overfunctioning, I mean, to get rid of my anxiety, I start doing more than I'm, I'm responsible for. I, I start doing for others what they can, they can do for them themselves. And I worry and fret about them when, when I know that the scripture says, Jesus himself said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Live today. I think one of the antidotes for the challenges of the trauma that we're experiencing in the pandemic, folks, is to live each day just in today. If I could just live every moment. You know what? Today, there's plenty of food in my refrigerator. And by the way, today, there's plenty of toilet tissue uh, in the garage, too, right? Uh, today, I've got plenty. Today, I'm alive. Today, I've got good health. Today, I'm with you. Uh, so if we could live in the, in the present moment, I believe that's what Jesus taught us to do. D you know, look at the flowers of the field. They don't worry about tomorrow. They just live for today. If, if we could do that same thing. And then I was reminded, I shared this in our, in our first gathering, uh, this idea that anxiety robs us of willpower. And all of us, whether we acknowledge it or not, we're, we're living uh, with, with more heightened anxiety than we've had in a while. And we just need to acknowledge that. And one of the things I, I read in this trauma piece, when, when we're in the midst of trauma, just getting by emotionally, and functionally is okay. Just getting by is okay. Lowering our expectations and being kind to ourselves and others is vital.
And so just reminding myself, okay, I may not, I may not be as disciplined as I want to be right now. I may not be thinking as well as I want to think right now. And all of that is because anxiety is stirring around us in, in many and multiple ways. So what do we do? I, I think there's two things that we can do. We can take responsibility for what we can control. So there's a lot of things I, 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 I'm not in control of, right? But there are a few things that I am in control of, and I can take responsibility for those. I can behave in the recommended ways to prevent the virus, and you can too. I can wash my hands over and over and over again. By the way, you know, my hands are as clean as they've ever been. Uh, I'm sure yours are too. Uh, I cannot touch my face. I can wear a mask when I'm out in public. I don't know if that helps or not, but it sure makes me feel better, right? Uh, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear a mask when I go out. Uh, I'm going to practice physical distancing, even when I have the impulse and desire to go be with people I haven't seen in a while. Uh, I can do that because those are the things I'm responsible for. Uh, if I catch the virus, uh, I, I've seen some things online about how I can how I can manage the virus. Uh, but here's what I can do. I can pray for others daily. In, in the text that I read as we begin in Second Corinthians, he talked about your prayers for us got us through. Uh, I don't know what you believe about prayer. And folks, to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure on some days what I believe about prayer. Uh, I, I believe there's two extremes that we go to. I think on one extreme, we treat prayer kind of like a genie in a bottle. That, you know, if I just have the right formula or rub it the right way, God will pop out and give me my three wishes, whatever those three wishes are, you know, uh, and, and we just think God's kind of just waiting in heaven to do our bidding. I don't think prayer is that. I, I also, uh, the other extreme is just to get cynical and say, well, why pray? Because it, when I pray, it doesn't seem like the things I pray for happen. Uh, I, I believe both those ditches are bad ditches to get in. Uh, but here's what, here's what I know. In Luke 11, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And, and the first thing Jesus did was, was he taught them to pray a 20-second prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. One of the fascinating things about that prayer for me is how short it is. The disciples said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, and, and I love the fact that uh, some folks have tied the, the model prayer to the 22nd hand wash. So, when I do the 22nd hand, hand wash, I pray the Lord's prayer as I'm praying. Uh, and, uh, but it's just fascinating to me. He didn't teach them an hour long prayer. He taught them a 22nd prayer. And then right after that, he tells them a parable 
about a guy coming to ask his neighbor for bread in the middle of the night and the guy doesn't want to get up out of bed but but the but the the fellow knocking at the door just keeps knocking because he's got guests over and finally out of annoyance the guy gets up and gives him the bread and it's this idea of okay I, I, I taught you a 20 second prayer and then I taught you this idea that you just keep asking no matter what uh, I don't know what all that means folks, but, but here's, here's tying all that and, and, and our text in second Corinthians together. What I believe is, is that Jesus invites us to pray and to pray for others. And so I want to invite us. One of the ways we can serve the world during this time is to pray for as many people as we possibly can, uh, to pray for those who, who don't have faith, to pray for those, uh, one of the things many of you don't know about me is I play poker online almost every night. And in my poker community, uh, I had a woman last night who said her, her son's wife's mother, uh, has got the virus. And, and she said, would you, would you pray for her? And I love that kind of thing. Of course I'll pray for her. I don't even know this woman. I don't know her name, but I'm praying for, her. uh, we can pray for people. And I think that's powerful. And, and then from our text again, what can we do? So I want to say it this way. I can make empathy, comfort, and connection even more contagious than prayer. I've been comforted by God so that I can be a comfort and an encouragement to others. Folks, one of the best ways to make it through this pandemic is to serve other people. So who is there that you can encourage? Who is there that you can bring comfort to? Who is there that you can be empathetic with? Paul went, went into this, by the way, he modeled authenticity by talking about the struggle he went through, even to the point of death. He, he got to the point, here's my reading in that, he got to the point where he lost hope. And even after he lost hope, God rescued him. Right at, you know, I, I think he was in the liminal space of the door to death and God yanked him back into life uh, That in that moment. And so can we be a comfort and a connection to, to other people without trying to fix them? So again, remember, it's not our job to fix them. It's our job to come alongside. And, and by the way, the, the Greek language for you Greek scholars, I, I know we've got at least two or three Greek scholars in this group. Uh, for you Greek scholars, you will know that in the Second Corinthians text, uh, the Greek word there for come alongside of is, is the same word used for the Holy Spirit, the comforter who comes alongside us when we're in need. And so God gives us the power to come alongside, along with the, the Holy Spirit of God. That's something that we can do. And, and then when we realize also there's, there's parts that we can't do, then I think here's what we do. We trust in God for what we can't control. We trust in God to bring us comfort to our doubts, to our fears, to our struggles, in our pain. God comforts us when pain is present. Sometimes I say, okay, where are you, God? And I'm wondering if God waits for those special moments when we really are in pain 
And that's when God shows up to bring God's comfort. But in this text, he's, he's described as the God of comfort. And then the second thing we can do, uh, we, can, we can trust in the God who is the God that raises people from the dead. That's what the second Corinthians text says. And here we are on Good Friday, uh, recognizing the death of, of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and looking forward to Easter Sunday, because on Easter Sunday, what happened? There was a resurrection that happened. Those resurrections sometimes happen figuratively, and sometimes they happen literally. And, and we can trust in the God who resurrects. Now, in my own humanity, folks, I, uh, I wrestle sometimes with, okay, God, why don't you resurrect everybody in this life? Why, why didn't everybody get healing? Why didn't everybody get well? Because I know some really godly followers of Jesus that have, that have died from this disease. And I wonder, okay, Lord, why them? You know, why, why are they different than Paul? Why didn't you snatch them out of the door of death? And, and I don't have an answer to that, folks. I just want to acknowledge that. And by the way, that's the age-old question of man, why God, death, and suffering. But in the midst of it, I can have faith in the God of resurrection. So if I don't experience resurrection now through healing and health, I will experience resurrection on the other side, because that's what uh, the scripture promises us. I can trust in the God of the resurrection. Jesus endured the cross, and Jesus overcame, and God raised him from the dead, and God promises to raise us. And so in the midst of all of our questions our struggles, we can trust in the God of resurrection. And so I have this prayer for us today, and you can read along if you've got the notes uh, at the end. But I'd like to pray this over us, and then we'll, we'll break into rooms and talk about it for a while. Oh, great God of all comfort, who raises people from the dead, Resurrect our courage when we're tempted to hide in fear. Resurrect our willpower and our endurance when we, when we would rather just quit and give up. Resurrect our empathy and our compassion when we would rather selfishly just take care of ourselves. Resurrect our authenticity when we're tempted to hide in shame. Resurrect our sense of personal responsibility when we would rather blame others and do nothing. Resurrect our generosity when we'd rather hoard things for ourselves. Resurrect our capacity to connect with others when we're tempted to disconnect from everybody. Resurrect our faith and hope in these days when we're tempted to lose hope and to question faith. Resurrect our imaginations and our optimism when we're tempted to be defeated and deflated. Resurrect good news 
in the midst of all this bad news. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us slash donate. Thank you for listening. Till I'm looking through the eyes of love I'm looking through the eyes